Ha, <laughs> we here. Big fish shit. Ooh, ooh. Welcome to the podcast. Hope y'all enjoy it. Hope y'all learn something. And most importantly, we hope y'all elevate. Let's get uh-huh. it. Big fish, hit a big lick. We gon' bet it right back and hit a big flip. We been up for a minute and we still lit. Get them cats going top, but we don't feel shit. We just giving y'all gems y'all can live with. Elevate your mind, never mind all the bullshit. Finna talk about stocks, we ain't worry about ops. First get the bread up, then buy back the whole block. Ten toes down, we ain't never gonna stop. I'm a man of my word, I ain't never gonna flop. If I said it, then I meant it. Real ones gonna respect it, and it's still OG. It's in me, I'm represented. You know, we always start with that, but it's the Big Fish Podcast. We definitely got a big fish on today. Um, Somebody who needs no introduction, but um, somebody who's become a brother of mine through another brother of mine and who's truly inspirational. I'm looking at, you know, a lot of your, your interviews and just different stuff that you put on social media. And as I'm looking at it, it's very, it's very inspiring for a lot of different reasons that I'm sure that we'll get into. But let me first just thank you for being here. We have Jake Carls from Midday Squares, a living legend that I will say, but um, appreciate you just being here, bro. Dude, I appreciate you, man. You know, I, 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 we've been trying to get this podcast on for like a couple of weeks now, and I'm just happy that we're doing it. And, and I think what's interesting is I had dental surgery last week, so like my mouth is still like in, in, in like agony, but I show up because I want to be here and like, you're just a good dude, man. And and your energy is is unparalleled. Like your 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 genuineness is unparalleled to a lot of humans out there. And when I see that, I'm just like, I want to be around you, man. And like that's what I'm saying. So like I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to get deep with you and, and go into some good topics. And just again, love your energy. Don't never change that. Damn, bro. Um, I'm a big energy guy, just from a sense of understanding and appreciating it. So that means a lot. And uh, it's really just vice versa, right back at you, because literally that's one of the things that I had listed, you know, for one of the qualities that I admire when it comes to you and one of the qualities that I see that you're able to inspire a lot of other human beings to demand more out of themselves. So that was something big for me. Um, You know, you're you're in an industry and we're going to get into all of it. I guess we'll dive right into it now. But you're in an industry. You know, we see the hat midday squares Um, before we get into how you guys were able to break into one of the most probably traditional, you know, industries that the same, I believe the same four companies that pretty much had a stronghold on it for the longest. Um, you know, tell us exactly what Midday Squares is. Of course, you know, I got mine. I got all different flavors. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually, what would I call it? I guess I'm vegetarian kind of. I, I try not to yeah. put labels on it, but um, no meat, no eggs, no fish for me. Limited dairy. So this is something that just, you know, obviously feeds my soul and my body with the protein. So tell us, what, what is Midday Squares and what was the inspiration behind it? Well, maybe that's why you look so good. <laughs> you have the Midday Square. No, so Midday Squares is, is something that we built. Me and my sister, my brother-in-law, so it's a family business, but we didn't go into business because we're family. We went into business together because we complement each other's skill sets. So I think that's really important to say. Um, but we created this product because we found there was a problem in the afternoon in that people would snack consistently in the afternoon and didn't have a great snack. So they would eat something and then they would be hungry like 10 minutes after having it, or they would eat something very high in sugar or f- full of palm oil and they would have this crash. 
So my sister, years ago, and we're talking many years ago, was making this homemade snack for my brother-in-law or her husband to satisfy his chocolate craving in the afternoon, but also keep him full for three hours till he got home from work. And she's like, I'm going to make you something plant-based that's made with real foods, that's dark chocolate, but tastes absolutely delicious and still keeps you full and makes you feeling good because it's real foods. So she made this for two years prior to launching this business. And then finally, when they wanted to start a business together, they wanted to do something in food. And this was right in front of their face. They were making it every single day. And my sister then said to my brother-in-law, like, yeah, let, let, let's do something. Let's do morning oats. They want to do something in the morning oat category. And they tried to make something, and it didn't work out. Then one day, my brother-in-law brother got out of the shower, and he read a report that came from a large chocolate conglomerate that said that real chocolate, or darker chocolate, was growing exponentially year over year. So this massive saturated market was growing, so darker chocolate, and that vegan proteins, so plant proteins, were also growing. And in his head, it clicked. He's like, he's a data guy, and it said... Oh my God, you're making a baby of these two massive growth categories. You're, you're making a chocolate bar that is plant-based and has function, but is delicious as well. So that's when they decided, okay, we're going to launch this company. We just need a third guy to launch it and help us build the brand. So they approached me in, in July, June 2018. They're like, hey, we have this great chocolate bar, afternoon snack called Midday Squares. We need your help to blow it up. And I looked at them and I said, hey, the grocery game is a little bit boring. If you go to the grocery store... There's not a lot of brands in there that actually emotionally connect to the consumer. You know, but when I go to like Sephora or I go to a Nike store or something like this, fashion or cosmetics, there's this ability to watch consumers actually feel attached to the brand. They want to show the brand. They want, to, they want it part of their lifestyle. But yet in food, we buy it for function, taste, price, not an emotional connection. So I said, what if we were to switch the, switch the whole theory of food and basically turn it into... I want this brand because I love them. I love what they stand for and it represents me. And that's when I said to them, I'm going to join as a third partner, but in, only on one condition. And the condition was that we would film everything. So I mean, document everything, how we build this business and share it on social media as if it's a, TV, a reality show. And why I wanted to do that was I wanted the consumer to go to the grocery store. And when they see our product in our refrigerator out of the 40,000 products, they see it as something that they care about. They're like, I love that brand. I know them. I feel like I'm buying from a friend or a family member. And what that would do was create an emotional connection, which would then create an obsession and turn them not into a customer, but a fan. And that's where we took from the entertainment world. And then we launched Midday Squares, August 2018, the first functional chocolate bar here in Montreal, Canada. Damn. Um, and and you, you, you pretty much... Uh, one of, one of my biggest things, I'm in sales, so I'm a business development guy. That's what I do day to day, and that's how I see life. So when you say fans, that is exactly how my upbringing was through the sales industry. You know, I want to create fans, people that are fanatic over me, fanatic over our brand, our product, our story. And storytelling is something that you mentioned in the beginning. That's something that I've noticed that probably the most successful brands are best at. And you're right. It's something that in the food industry, we don't see a lot of it. But when it comes to maybe even, well, maybe like a restaurant, maybe, but when it comes to clothing brands, all these other music, music is probably the best example. If your music is telling a story, that's why, you know, people, my dad was just saying how we we're talking about the effects of music. You can remember where you are just based on the story that music is telling you because it just means so much more to you. So I'm, um, I'm right there with you when it comes to creating fans. That's the goal. 
dude, look at the sports world. You played sports, man. You, you know, that world is built on fandom. It's not even built on, yes, it's very skillful people and hard work. But in the end, the story of the, the franchise, the story of the athlete is what is driving the consumer to spend hundreds of dollars to go to the matches and also hundreds of dollars on merchandise. Look at the artist world, like you're saying, the music world. You go to concerts because you're a fan of the band or you're a fan of the artist, and then you'll buy the t-shirt to wear because you're proud, you're part of their journey. So for me, where I felt that another brand that was doing it really well in, in terms of a CPG, a consumer product, was Nike. Nike is a conglomerate, but they've been telling uh, underdog stories. They've been telling a motivational story, an aspirational story for the last 40, 50 years, and it has paid off. It has allowed them to sell products at a premium price. Same thing with Lululemon. Same thing with Sephora, Starbucks. You know, the way we pay for a coffee at four bucks a coffee, it's a story. And for me, when I looked at the food world, like I said, I went to the grocery store, I walked the aisles. There's 40,000 products in in a large supermarket. And I felt that maybe seven brands out of the 40,000 products actually connected to me. And that is scary. So when I said that, that's an amazing, easy opportunity. And I said to my partners, I'll never forget the quote I said to them. I said, future of marketing is who is going to be the best storyteller. So whoever is the best storyteller is going to win the emotional heart of the consumer, which will then get you the attention, the eyes and ears, which are probably the hardest thing to get today. And when I did that, my partners looked at me and said, Hell no, we're introverts. We're not showing our lifestyle on camera. And I was like, well, well, how else are we going to win? We don't have the budgets that Hershey's has to go buy up the space in grocery stores and pay for the real estate, you know, tens of millions of dollars a year. We have no money. So what I said, I said, we have an iPhone. Let's take our iPhones. Let's share raw, unfiltered stuff. And I'm talking about therapy, bro. I'm talking about breakdowns. I'm talking about how we deal with legal battles, raise money, things you never see, like never see on Shark Tank. I'm talking about the depth of how you build a business. And it started working, bro. I'm not gonna, I'll never forget, retailers started coming out saying, holy shit, your transparency and vulnerability is so powerful and relatable that we wanna have your product in our store. And the consumer, when we go on, like I was at a, I was at a, I was at a hockey game yesterday here in Toronto, never been in a hockey game in Toronto because I live in Montreal. And I went with, I was at a business meeting and I was sitting there at the dinner in, within, in the arena and this person looks at me next to me and she goes, oh my God, I'm such a fan of Midday Squares. You wouldn't even believe it. I was just talking about you guys. And I was like, you see, I told the business guys, I was like, you see, this is the power of telling a good story. You now have people that are emotionally involved in what you're doing, whether your personal brand or your, your business brand. And I think that if you can't storytell, you're in trouble. How, where did this come from? And I, and I saw, I'll leave it there. Where did this come from before I get dive into it? You know, so, I was a class clown growing up, man. Uh, you know, high school, you know, I thought I was the coolest kid because I was making everyone laugh. I was pranking people. I was telling a story. Um, and I was actually authentic to myself. And I thought I was doing well, but my grades were, like, really poor. I was, like, 50, 60s. And then grade 11 came, and the principal called my parents into the office, and they're like, hey, your kid's not graduating. Everyone else is going to graduate. And then I kind of felt like a loser. I was just like, oh, my God, like, I'm the class clown. I was killing it all these years. But... I was telling a great story, but now look, I'm going to move backwards while everyone moves forward because I didn't take my shit seriously. So in that moment, I was like, hey, shit, society wants me to change, and maybe I have to change. And it was the biggest mistake, so I did change, and I ended up passing, and then I went to university and all that stuff, and I did well in school. But 
I was no longer being authentic to who Jake is. I was doing what society pressure wanted me to do. I was trying to get good grades. I even tried to be an actuary in university, which is a very hard program. It's the hardest one. And what it is, it's deep statistics and math and probability. And the reason why is I wanted to, I wanted to show to everyone that I'm, not, I'm an academic and I could do it. And it wasn't for me. It wasn't because I wanted to do it because who, who I am. It was because I wanted to prove to everyone that I'm not the class clown anymore. I'm not the guy that does shitty in school but makes everyone laugh. And then finally, third year in university, I realized this is too hard for me. I'm doing stuff that I hate. I'm miserable. I'm in like, a, I'm in like prison in my mind. And I finally well, – I, I was watching Shark Tank one night. I'll never forget. And I saw this guy pitch his dream. On, on the, to the sharks and he was broke, he had kids, he had mortgages and he looked more free than I was, which I was living at home. I just had no job, I was in school and I was like, oh my God, I gotta feel what that guy's feeling because that guy, even though he's broke as shit, he's happy, he's purposeful. And that was the moment I said, I'm gonna try entrepreneurship and I tried, I launched a fitness business right away. I basically started training people outdoors because in Canada, the weather's so cold, so in the summertime, Everyone wants to be outside for that five months. So I started training people in parks, outdoors, music. I used Snapchat to build the hype. So I would literally film everything, shirts off, kind of like Barry's boot camp outdoors. And I ended up having like 180 clients. I was making like forty to $50,000 cash each summer. I was killing it. But I was being authentic to me finally. And I did that for two and a half years. And then finally I lost my passion for fitness. And I still wanted to do entrepreneurship. So I launched a business throwing parties on college campuses and selling clothing as the way to make money. But again, using storytelling, I would use my Instagram now to tell the story. And I had all these athletes, celebrities. It was the craziest experience, but I didn't know how to run the business. So operationally, I was failing dramatically, but as a brand, I was hype. I was considered like a legend, but I was being myself. I was authentic, right? And then finally, that went bankrupt after two and a half years because I didn't have any money. Think about it. I looked like I was a hero, but the truth was the operation part was falling apart. The, I, the counting, the legal, the, the, the making of the product, I was losing money on the product. It made no sense. And then finally, my brother-in-law and my sister approached me and they're like, you are a genius at storytelling. You, you have an ability to understand the power of it. We need that with, we need that with our business, which we're great operators. We could build a, an operating engine. We need you to hype up that engine and make noise and build a network. So storytelling has been with me for the last 10 years. And I realized early on, thank God, that you can't follow the herd in life. You can't follow society's pressures in the square box. You need to go do you. The moment you do you, you are playing your superpower. The moment you do someone else or you're doing it for you know society, you are at a disadvantage. You're like everyone else. So that was when I realized that when I was 22, 21. Damn. And that's when you say do you, that's probably one of the scariest things for people because what you're what you're doing is you're embracing a story that you don't know the ending to, that you don't know how this is going to play out. It's easy to just go follow the path of somebody else, become an actuary. You know exactly how it's going to be. But when you embrace just being you, it's a new story. It's relatable oh, yeah. to people. It's it's you tapping into something that nobody's ever seen before. And it's you really just embracing your truest version of yourself. So that's something that I always, um, you know, it, it, it's a struggle. You know, it, it's one of the things for me. It's like, okay, do I go out and just, you know, spend, you know, all of my time just, you know, pursuing this, um, whether it was football or even with football, it's like, you know, you're still kind of following the herd because that's what everybody does. But when I'm, what yep. I'm doing now, it's more so challenging me because I know that my purpose is to challenge, uplift, elevate others. But a lot comes with that. A lot comes Dude. with that where it's stress, a lot of mental, you know what I mean? 
Dude, I could tell you, man, you're so right, bro. And you understand this because you play. You're a professional athlete, and you you're now an entrepreneur, and and you're you're breaking the norm. But you know when you break the norm, man, when you're bold or you do things that are bolder or you do things that are great, let's call it, or, tr- or trying to be great. Um, you know, there's flock. There's a there's a negative side to it, and the negative side is you get judged. You know, people people tear you down a little bit here and there. They make you feel bad because. What you're doing is so different that they can't see it, right? So when I when I started filming everything at the beginning of Midday Squares, people were laughing at me. People in my circle were like, "This this is like a fad, you know? You're doing it for like, you know, it's a little trendy, like it's not really thing." And it makes you feel bad, you know? You're like, "Wow, like I don't have that elevation." And, and this is where I when I met you and the boys that you know we become friends with all of us, you know, Howie, Jim, all the boys, Conley, everyone. Um, you know, I felt this energy that we don't, we don't know each other our whole lives. We met recently, and, and there, there's this elevation, there's this understanding, there's this ability to want to push each other higher and higher and higher rather than bring us down because we're not judging each other. We're actually cheering each other on. We're, we understand that we're all doing something that's bold, that's outside the circle or outside the box of life. And the more we have those people, the ecosystem grows. And the ecosystem grows, the world progresses in the proper direction. And we're just challenging. And the challenging, you have trolls that come at you. You have people because they feel insecure when they see you doing what they actually truly want to be doing, but they don't know how to get there. And I had to go through like lots of therapy once a week. I go maybe even twice a week. I go with my partners once a week together, and then I go once a week myself to go through this mental game because it's difficult. I can't understand why people don't want to help or they don't want to cheer you on or they don't want to you know, elevate um, or there's minimal people that do that. And I think it's just because it makes people uncomfortable when you aren't being like everybody else. And that's why a lot of leaders or politicians, some politicians are terrible, but you know, in terms of leaders or politicians, they get a lot of flack. You know, they get a lot of hate because they're doing something that people would want to do, but they don't know how to show and they're scared to show. And they're doing it because they're brave and they see it, right? And especially like Elon Musk, like, you know, this guy is, you know, he's a machine and I love him. People really don't like him, but I love him because he's unapologetically himself. And, you know, some of the decisions he makes are wacky, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, this guy, what he sees, he wants to get done and he gets it done. And some people hate it. So 50% that love him, they would die hard for him. They'll do anything. They'll buy his products. They'll promote his brand. They'll do anything. So it's like, if you have everybody love you, I don't think you're really making progress because then you're just being what the herd wants, right? You got to have a 50-50, always. It's, all right, so, damn. Like, first off, just damn. We're, we're going to um, have a little back and forth on this because this is something that I need. And when you just said, uh, it, it, all right, so even even with yesterday. So I was, yesterday I was having, um, you know, a few different issues and stuff and, and just with people going back and forth, like certain stuff that I put out with all the intentions of, you know, just figuring out how we can elevate as a group. I'm very much, we have a problem. How do we solve it? To me, that's just what people should be doing, especially as a man, as a leader. I just feel that this is something that I should be doing. I can't sit around and see a problem and not want to try to solve it. But what happens with that, a lot of people who are just what you said, they're envious, they're, they're jealous in ways that, just because I'm willing to step out and just try something new, just because I have the courage to go hard, be my truest self, and to just be unapologetic with it, there's a lot of hate that comes with that for whatever reason. And I think it's because if somebody embraces what you're doing, then that means that they also have to hold themselves accountable to why they're not doing it themselves. So they'd rather just say, you know what, 
he's just tripping. Like, he's just always just talking, always just stuff. And I don't understand it because a lot of times you're the person that can help them the most in a lot of their situations. If somebody came to you and said, like, hey, bro, I see what you're doing. Like, how can we make this happen? And it's something that you um, – I saw in an, in an interview that you were discussing, like, with family and stuff and your ambition and how you guys all came together. And for me – I had this conversation last week with a group of friends. Um, it was it was my girlfriend and her friends. They live in the same building. That's a little weird too. But her best <laughs> friends live in my same building. But you mentioned that you, I forget exactly what you were mentioning. But I immediately became envious in a good way. Not envious in a, like I was like, damn, how is Jake able to come together with a group of people that he's close to? and build with and not have them look at you with certain levels of animosity and all these things. Because when I see that, I'm instantly looking to, to my village. And I'm like, yo, how can we get to this same point? And people just don't necessarily have the same purpose or the same, I, I don't know what you would call it, but um, it, can be, it can become very discouraging. So as you went back to talking about Jim and Howie P, I need that. And I need these type of conversations because literally for the first – I don't get migraines. Yesterday I had a migraine the entire day just based on going back and forth with people that I felt like, yo, you realize like I'm, I'm doing this to, to help us. But that appreciation is not there, so it can take you on a work – yeah, I, I don't even know. Like obviously I'm tapping into something that's personal for me, but you just brought it out. Dude. Dude, this is what we all go through, man, though. Like, this is what I'm saying to you. Like, even my boys, my, my childhood boys, like, I'm best friends with them. But, you know, I, I still don't see, you know, I'll write in my group, like, a big win or a big loss that we've had. And, and just the support is not what I expect. You know, it's it's the, there, there, there's either judgment or, or, or just, like, you know, no elevation or lack of elevation. And that's why I say when we have our text groups with, like, Howie P and Jim and those boys – there's only elevation. There's only let's choose each other up. Let's support no matter what. Let's be there for each other. And, you know, the reason why my partners and I have such a successful partnership, and I only say successful because I'm confident because we've put the work in. But, again, day one, when I told them that we're going to film everything and document the whole journey, and they're introverts, they were uncomfortable doing that. But they're like, okay, this is we're going to give it a chance because we trust you and we, we're going to make this partnership work. They said to me, we need you to come to therapy with us once a week in good or bad times mandatory so that we work on each other as partners. We understand how to communicate. We understand how, you know, we work all of us together. And I was like, hell no, I'm the happiest guy in the world. I came off being an athlete in hockey and fraternity, all this stuff, like a hero. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. I don't need that. You guys do that. I'm all supportive for you guys. And they're like, well, you can't join as the third partner then. And so I was like, are you serious? You're going to throw all this away for therapy? And they're like, yeah. So I gave it a shot. Five, five, I'm like, I'll give you five sessions. And I did it for five weeks and I fell in love with it because I realized you don't need to be miserable to do therapy. Therapy is like performance coaching. It makes you a better person. And that's how my partnership has remained so strong with my family is because we work on problems. It's a safe zone to have very difficult conversations. It's a safe zone to criticize each other, but it's a safe zone to also learn healthy debates and understand each other at a very, very deep level. That way we could stay aligned at all times and also remain best friends as family, but also best friends as business partners. And I think that everyone should be doing that, whether you're in a relationship, a friendship, a partnership, it's just expensive, but it's an investment in yourself. So it's not really an expense. And um, yeah, without that therapist, Dr. James Gavin is his name, 
we would not be here today. I wouldn't even probably be on the phone with you because I probably wouldn't be doing entrepreneurship. I would have ripped my sister's head apart and she would have killed me. And, you know, and then their marriage, my brother-in-law and my sister's marriage would have ended. And I think that, that, that there's this, this idea still, this taboo on therapy um, that is still like, oh, it's embarrassing to go to therapy, which is, makes no sense in my opinion. But when I tell people, instead of being a, calling a therapist, I'm like, oh, so I, I go to a performance coach. They're like, oh, that makes sense. But when I say therapist, they're, they're like kind of judging, you know. So this society just needs to change a little bit on how we view things. Again, it's, it's people that are uncomfortable or insecure that are the ones judging, right? So I don't know. For me, it's like, dude, I like to have therapy three times a week, four times a week. I, we spend 50 to 100K a year on it as a business. So that's why we have a good partnership, and that's why we elevate each other within our partnership um, and having ripped each other apart. And just to be clear, I want um, everybody listening to know something that I learned from you when you were talking about when the reason why most startups fail. I had no idea. I was thinking that, oh, it's just for financial reasons. But you said, you, you mentioned in an interview that it was because the differences, uh, I guess, the relationships and arguments between the founders, that's what yep. usually breaks up businesses. That threw me completely off. I had no idea that it was on that, but it makes a lot of sense because, you know, we're even, you know, we're so into our own feelings. You know, a lot of times we're not able to communicate and take other people's perspectives into play. And that seems to be the case with you all. Um, I, and I actually think that filming everything going to therapy for you guys has created a, a playbook, you know, for you that works that I'm sure a lot of other people could embrace as well if they were aware of some of these things. So I, I'm, um, you know, tell me, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm learning so much from you and it, it's almost as if I'm talking to somebody a lot older than me with just a <laughs> lot of charisma and swag. But uh, th these are the conversations that we need because a lot of people I'm sure are going through the same thing. Even when you talked about how people look at therapy, people need people to talk to people need coaches. I had a coach my entire life. That was the scariest thing for me stopping to play sports because not only was I not doing something that I did my entire life, but I no longer had guidance, life guidance in what was extremely important to me. What I devoted a lot of my time to, I no longer had that. So that's where, you know, a lot of things fell short. Dude, you're so right, man. Like, yeah, man, coaching is important. Um, you know, you're right. Most businesses don't fail because of product or capital. They fail because of founder conflicts, relationships. The partnership breaks apart. Their animosity builds. And my brother-in-law had that previous in a previous business, and that's why he the, this, the therapy was a mandatory thing. He didn't want that to happen again. And, you know, I just feel like a lot of the time, man, like we as humans, we don't put enough time into problems or conflict we avoid it we we don't want to go towards it so then it just eventually it just blows up man and that blow up can sometimes be permanent and it's same thing goes with my fiance like we we had an issue that i we held back the for like quite a while the other the other week and i was so disappointed that i held it back for so long and then we had the blow up and it just like it, it didn't have to be that and now we have this open communication that we're, we're speaking about issues at hand when they first come because What's the reason to hold that animosity? Because it builds, it actually builds problems subconsciously, um, not even consciously. And that's dangerous to whatever you're doing or the relationship you have, whether that's a business partnership or a friendship or a, a, you know, a, a partner in your life. So I just think that like going forward, if anyone's listening to this right now or going to be listening to this, invest in your relationships that you care about 
and really use a professional because a professional understands from a mindset standpoint how things actually work. You know, you might see things one way, the other person might see things the other way, and that's totally fine. But you got to work together to have communication that is flowing forward, not backwards or sideways. So it's like I have this thing, you know, I read from Jeff Bezos or Bezos, whatever his name is, um, <laughs> that he has this theory that you have to sometimes agree to disagree, but commit 100%. So like me and my partners will disagree on a, on a, on a subject or a, or, or a project, and we've learned to agree to each other, even though we disagree with the concept, but we're going to commit 100% of our effort and good vibes to dealing with that or going after even if we disagree with the actual whole thing and that has allowed us to move forward it's progress even if it fails it's progress because we're able to trust each other at a very deep deep level trust is a big thing and i'm not sure you know exactly the best way to develop it i would assume that it's just based on knowing that the other people care about you and i think when a lot of times when you talk about having dysfunction or just having certain arguments, you know, a lot of times we'll forget that we trust the person and throw grace out the window. And if we disagree, then we disagree. We're going to, you know, take low blows, do all these different things that we know are not going to get a positive outcome. But just because it makes us feel good in the moment with us just proving our point and us just having to win that particular situation, that argument, and it impacts us long term. You know, that stuff sits on us. That stuff really sits on us. Dude, that, 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 that sits, man. That, 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 that bruise in your body. That just bruise. When, when you mentioned that your friends, I, I, uh, do your friends have the same mindset as you? No, they don't. I love them for, I love them for, for like, I love them as people, but they just don't, they don't understand, like, how exhausted I'll be and, like, why I can't come out partying or come out, they're like, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Have fun, like, live your life. And I just think that, I've learned over time to expect different things from different people because if I expect the same thing from everybody, I'm not going to achieve that and the gap will kill me. The gap is what's going to kill me of the expectation compared to reality. So what I do is I have different different people for different reasons. Like when I talk to, like I said, Jim, you, Howie P, all, the, all those boys, my expectation is I'm going to get juiced up. You guys understand what we're all going through. We're, we're, all, going, we're all on some sort of similar path. Um, but when I'm with my boys, it's like I, I try not to bring up all that stuff because if I do, I'm just going to get upset. And um, it's not worth it because I'm, I don't need to be upset. There's no reason to, to, hurt, to, to bring yourself stressed or feel stressed. There's no reason for that. So I've learned to deal with it over the last four years. But it, it's definitely been a struggle and a long journey going through that path. Yeah, same here. I actually, probably about two, three months ago, I, uh, we weren't seeing eye to eye in my group message. And it's just can be very frustrating when you're trying to push forward and get people to think, you know, just think about something like whether I may not be right or wrong, but yo, let's talk about it. Let's dive into it. Let's explore something a little bit different than the same stuff that we've been seeing things for the past. I don't know how long. So it's, yep. oh, and hold on one second. As I'm looking, as I'm looking down, I'm realizing that my damn computer's about to die. But I want us to, to get into the friends because I want to tell you a struggle that I had. So a struggle that I had was I had to tell my friends, like, yo, I'm going a year outside of this group message. I said, I'm no longer interacting with this group message for a year. And for me, I had to do that because, and I've actually done it before, because 
when I get stagnant or around people that are stagnant and not trying to grow, what it does is it, it, it frustrates me and it keeps me putting my energy into convincing you and caring more about you getting to a certain point and just thinking differently rather than just the same old norm and expecting something different in return. So it's, it, it can be extremely frustrating, you know, with friends. And that's, that's another reason why I said, like, I envy um, or just appreciate. I shouldn't say envy. I appreciate what you and your family are able to do. I have a close-knit family as well, my brother, my mom, and my dad. Um, so we're very close. But taking that to business is entirely different. I would love to incorporate a lot of my friends. There's a lot of my friends that I think have super skills that would be able to, you know, do so many different things, us working together. And for me, that was probably, when I think back, the biggest disappointment from high school to college. After high school, I no longer enjoy, like, at my enjoyment of football went down and down and down. Every year that, and it's because I grew up loving it just because of my friends. You know, that was yep. just something that I did with my friends and I always wanted to that that camaraderie. I'm sure that you have with hockey. Yeah. It can't be replaced. But you're no. always searching and itching for it in different ways. And for yeah. me, it would give it back to me if I'm able to compete with my friends, my family, like all these different things. But for whatever reason, I'm not able to get that level of buy-in when it comes to them. I, I I don't know if you have the same experience. Yeah, dude. It's it's dude. It's it's hard, man. Like. I can't get the buy-in, bro. So, but you know what it is? It's like, here's the deal, man. The people that are in your corner, you need to know there's different types of corners. There's the ones that they still might love you. This this group text, like the, I have the same problem with my group text. I don't engage that much in it because I, I feel like it frustrates me that the, um, the, the ambition, the progress isn't there. Um, but I, I always say to myself, I'm like, yo, I love them for different reasons. Um, I have the camaraderie that you're talking about. Um, and I appreciate that, and sometimes it energizes me. And But at the end of the day, like I know where I'm going for my energy. If I need energy and juice, I know my people. And I keep it separate now. And I just put them in different, mm. I guess, compartments, let's call it, or like brackets. And no one's better than the other, but what it is is basically I know what to expect. And the expectation now from reality is equivalent. And I don't get frustrated as much anymore um, than I used to. I used to like really break down, man. I used to like go through like crazy shit and like just be like, I hate this. I can't deal with this. It's so stupid. And I'd get mad and I'd be angry and I'd have this bad emotions. And now I'm just like, I'm, I'm flowing with it because I'm like, I'm never going to get what I, what I'm expecting from it. Yeah. I just not. And if I, if I just wait on, if I have anticipation of waiting, it's going to kill me slowly, you know? So now it's like, okay, like I know what to get from them and that's what they're, I'm getting. And I'm okay with that. And I'm cool with that. But now I have other groups that I'm finding from all over the world, like like our, like our group and some others, where they're just – I'm getting what I need from the, the other standpoint. And I realize that your network just – if you keep growing it, you keep meeting new people, you keep seeing new things, eventually maybe you'll you'll stop completely with that other side. I'm not saying you, you, you might I, – I don't think I'm going to. I love my camaraderie. But I get my juice and my energy and my momentum from a completely other side of people I don't even – I haven't even met in the world. And I'm just seeing them on virtual or I'm seeing them on the phones. And I think that that's the beauty of the world. There's 7 billion of us or whatever, more 8 billion, whatever the amount is. There's so There are so many people like us out there that you just got to find. And once you find, you just keep it going for life. You just keep it going because 
that's what's going to keep you going and keep you moving forward because I trust me, I still have people in my life that pull me down and I'm having trouble letting go, but I'm slowly letting go of those people. Slowly they're coming and I'm just becoming okay with the process because at first I never knew. I thought I had to have all the friends in the world. I'm like, I can't lose my friends from my childhood. I can't lose these people because at the end of the day, I was like, those are the people I grew up with. But now I'm realizing they're not at the same chapter as me. I don't mean my chapter's better or their chapter's better, but I see things differently. And I need to be continuing to move on momentum forward, not momentum backwards. And now I just look who's going to keep me moving forward. And I need to surround myself with those folks more often than not, the ones that aren't pulling me forward, pushing me yeah. forward. My brother, um, he always says it. And it's funny, Nipsey Hussle used to say it a bunch of times um, before he passed away. But I swear, my brother's been telling me this for years. And he just says, everybody can't go. And I used to get mad at him for saying shit like that because yep. it's like, yo, these are my friends. Most of, like, when I talk about that group chat, we're all, like, 30-plus years since we were, you know, kindergarten, pre-K, or starting peewee, you know, football. Yep. So we, we grew up together. This is, this is my team. This is, you know, a part of my village. But it's so true because if you don't embrace the fact that everybody can't go and if you're not able to compartmentalize like you said and understand that you're not going to get everything from everybody you have to understand and be be aware enough to understand hey this is what i'm going to get from this group this is what i can give to this group at this point in time and you have to be very careful with your energy and it's just so true and a, a lot of it you said that it's not that anybody's better than anybody but i think a lot of people People will say that to somebody that's working their ass off, you know, really trying to get to a certain point and willing to sacrifice more than you're willing to sacrifice. But they'll almost just use that to to just bring you down a little bit like, oh, you think you're better than everybody. Why do I think I'm better? Than I'm just trying to I'm just willing to to do more, to go to go further, to sacrifice more. It's not at all that I think that anybody's inherently better, but it's like anything else. If if I, if this person applies more than this person, then they're going to get a different result. And it's very simple. So it, it, it's frustrating when you know that the only thing, in, in my opinion, that separates a lot of people from su- being successful or not is sacrifice. You know, what are you willing to sacrifice in a lot of different areas? For you, it could be communication, therapy, you know, being open to, to new ways of thinking, new ways of learning, new ways of getting coaching and development. So it's um, even on your last post or, or the last midday squares post. Let, let, um, it, let, what, I'm trying to think what Les said exactly, but yeah. it was focused around are would you be willing to sacrifice your relationships? Your, yeah. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to get to a certain point? And, and and somebody being willing to sacrifice something is intimidating to people who aren't. It's intimidating to people. So. Yeah. I, um, you know, when it comes to sacrifice, I'm sure that you've made a lot of different sacrifices in your life that have enabled you to get to the point that you are to today. Dude, sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrifice, giving up a lot, man, giving up time to, to be with people, giving up relationships, giving up, uh, you know, obviously capital, but also just like, you know, you, once you do, once you do this journey of entrepreneurship, you sign away your life for a vision that you truly see that you, you could see clearly, maybe not everyone else can see it. And you just got to go with the punches, man. Roll with them because it's going to be a painful journey. Even if you're doing amazing things, the pain is real. The loneliness is real. The depression is real Like during it. And I, I say that not to, to, to discourage anyone, but, but you're going to feel alone because 
people don't see it. They don't see the same thing or they have a hard time seeing it because you're bold, you're doing something different. So it's out of their, they can't see past that ceiling. And you could, you're like the giraffe in a, in a herd of zebras where you could see above the trees, not everyone could see above those trees. And that's where I'm like, okay, like once you learn that, you've, you've, you're okayed that lifestyle and you, you've jumped on a treadmill. You could always step off of it, but it's hard to unsee what you see. Mm. And um, yeah, that's that's what sacrifice is to me. It's, it allows you to experience things that not everyone gets to experience. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade this lifestyle, even though it's very hard and it's, I'm exhausted and you know I'm almost burnt out, I would call it. But I get to do stuff that's very purposeful to me. And that's where I can gain my energy. That's where I gain my momentum. That's where I gain my, my fulfillment in life is knowing that I'm doing my purpose every day and I'm building my network. My network is everything. The people you know, the friends you have in your life, the relationships, the conversations, the experiences are really what make life life. You know, I like to say that I'm living not, I'm not just living because I'm breathing, I'm living because I'm actually experiencing. And I think mm. that that's something that a lot of people forget is they live, they, they're living solely just because they're breathing. That's the only way they're living. They're living literally on, on rinse and repeat, nonstop. It's like a, it's like a twinkle thing. You just turn it and it just goes. <laughs> Um, they're counting down the days. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Your, your purpose, you can tell when somebody has fully embraced their purpose because it allows you to be your fullest self. When I see yes. you, uh, the energy that you're able to bring, you make people dance. You, uh, they, they, um, I, I know that uh, your sister and your brother-in-law mentioned that you're the hype man. And yeah. it, what's funny to me is that when we typically think of hype men, we don't necessarily appreciate the actual nope. role that they play, but everybody in their circle understands, but the outsiders may not appreciate it. And with it, it, it to me, it's, it's something that you have in you where it's uh, my, my college football coach used to call it. Uh, he used to, it was like a, he wasn't, he was like a corny dude, but I loved him. You know what I mean? But he used to talk about having swag. And this older guy was saying, like, yeah, having swag is this quiet confidence that borders on cockiness. And yep. to me, that's so important because that's what's going to allow you to not only be the fullest version of yourself, but to not not have, approach it from a humility necessarily. But because I, 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 I go back and forth on that word, but from a position of elevating others. So you can tell when somebody's being their truest self and when their purpose aligns with helping others and bringing out the best in others because you, when you walk into a room, you're, you, you're either, I look at it as if you're either draining energy or bringing energy. You're bringing energy. You're the person that is going to like, damn, yo, I wish I could go up there and just, and just dance. And, and, but I'm just so scared that I look, I look stupid. Like what if my rhythm is not all, like all these different things go through you know, our heads and even people that are, have a high level of confidence. You know, I feel like I have a high level of confidence. But when I see you doing that, I'm like, yo, I don't know if I could do that, <laughs> but I would love to do it. And it's something that you're able to push the limits and maximize your potential in every area of your life. And that's inspiring a lot of others to do the same. And I, I guess I'm just saying that I appreciate it. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to speak on that, but it's just something that. I feel is probably one of the, if not the most important roles when it comes to a team, because you're the glue, you're the, you're the brand, you're the one that's going out and telling everybody like, Hey, this is what we're doing. I'm standing on it. I'm frontlining this. And that's what I see you as. And I'm sure that you were the same when it came to hockey. I'm sure that yep. your, your, your teammates like, yo, 
if we get into something, I'm rocking with him. You're frat. If we get into something, yo, as long as Jake's here, you feel good about yourself because I had teammates like that. And to me, if you have those in life, then it can, it can, it can take things to an entirely different level than we otherwise could conceive. Yeah, dude, I think it's important. And, and again, it comes down to you being unapologetically yourself. And the moment you do that, that's when you are your best version. That's your most optimal. And that's what no one can actually copy is, is you being you. The moment you start being somebody else is the moment you start failing or going downwards in a downward spiral because you can't optimize that. You can only optimize yourself. And I always say to people, when you are finally unapologetic in yourself, you really feel this flow state where you're almost unstoppable. And that's where this dancing, this hype, this energy, this momentum has come from for me is that's who I am. That's what I love to do. That's where I feel at most comfortable, actually, believe it or not. Um, and when I'm dancing in front of hundreds or thousands of people, making them laugh and excited because that's what gives me energy and momentum. And I think that once you really learn who you are, never let go of how to be yourself because that, again, is literally what is makes you great. It's what makes you special. And a lot of us in this world, unfortunately, don't understand that concept. They're, 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 they're worried about that concept. They're like worried about what people think, what, you know, they're judging. But once you start being you and you block out all that noise, you're going to see success come your way. You're going to see wins that you've never seen before because you are stepping in a zone where no one else can actually step in but you. And I think that's where, you know, I learned my, my, I learned, I learned myself over the last decade of entrepreneurship of hitting and swinging, missing and swinging. And again, learned that whenever I am unapologetic, something happens, whether that's a good or bad, it's an outlier. It's an outlier. It's not in the middle. And I think that that's where I realized that being you is the special zone. And whenever I find myself not being myself, I always stop and reflect. Right. Straddling that fence, being somebody who I think I need to be to become successful or just being me and making yeah. me the best version of myself so I can become successful. And um, that, that's it. So I, I got two more questions for you. And the first one, uh, the first I saw you guys on. Hold up. You guys are on Family Feud. Like that's a whole different yeah. level. So, <laughs> so on Family Feud, uh, it, it's something that I noticed that, you know, like I said, I'm big on competing with your family and stuff like that. And how important is family legacy when it comes to you, your team, your village, your family? How important is that? How much does that drive you all to become successful? I think families, if you have a good family, then it's everything. I think, and I say if you have a good one, because that's important. You know, my family is very supportive. My family is very close, but we put the work in, man. We put the therapy and we put the, the ability that we love each other first and that we all want each other to win is super important. My brother, my dad, my mom, my sister, my brother's, my brother's not even in our business and he has his own toy business. My dad, you know, is in the import business and my mom works with us. And it's just like, that's everything, man. That's, that's the whole thing. When we went on Family Feud. It was like, yeah, we're doing this because we're, 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 we're good vibes and like, we just want to have fun. And I think that the journey is a lot better off when you're having fun than when you're not. And when you're doing it with family, and you're doing it for family for the good reasons, not just because it's family, but because you actually work well with each other, then it's really fun. Like there's nothing better than celebrating wins with your family or, you know, being there in hard times with your family. Those are the two, you know, the two, you know, most powerful moments of your life, you know, hopefully with the people that care about you most is, is super important. So yeah, family is important and we hope to leave a legacy under our family name. 
Bro, I love it. And you mentioned good vibes. I know that's that's the brand. That's the brand. Midday Square is good vibes only. So appreciate that. So my last question is really just, you know, what what where do you see Midday Square is going? What's the what's the end destination? Um, what's the end destination? Matter of fact, I'm not even going to say what's the end destination because there is no end destination. This is going to continue yeah. to keep that legacy that we're talking to forever. But um, what are some th- exciting things that we can look forward to out of you, Midday Squares? Um, what, what, what can, you know, when people start following you, hearing your story, you know, what's next on the story agenda? We want to build the next biggest chocolate snacking company. You know, think what would Hershey's look like if they started in 2023. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So it could take 20, 30, 40 years to build, but we really want to build a massive chocolate conglomerate that is creating better for you snacks and has a brand that's culturally relevant. And that's what we're trying to do. And hopefully we can break down those doors and, you know, break the stronghold of the five brands that dominate the chocolate space. And, you know, again, deliver good products for consumers that want something that's cleaner and better for your system, but also a brand that actually means something to you like Nike. And uh, that's what we're trying to do here. And so follow our journey at Midday Squares on TikTok, Instagram, um, or LinkedIn, or follow me, Jay Carls, on LinkedIn or Instagram, Jay Carls. And you can find our squares all over the United States, Canada, in the refrigerated section of the stores, so Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, uh, Fresh Market, Fresh Time, all those stores, and or on our website, www.middaysquares.com. That's huge, bro. This has been inspiring. Um, I don't know if y'all know, but Jake has a full day. It is very early that he was uh, – I was fortunate enough to have him get up very early for me and for us, our entire community, to share a lot of the gems that you've shared. Um, you are appreciated, brother. You are appreciated um, in ways that you do not yet know, but that I hope to um, show you as we continue our friendship, our brotherhood as well. So I, I just thank you for being here. Um, shout out to your sister. Shout out to your brother-in-law. Uh, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, brother. I'm a fan of you. Thank you, man. It was good. It was good having you. <laughs> we here. Big fish shit. Ooh, ooh. Welcome to the podcast. Hope y'all enjoy it. Hope y'all learn something. And most importantly, we hope y'all elevate. Let's get uh-huh. it. Big fish, hit a big lick. We gon' bet it right back and hit a big flip. We been up for a minute and we still lit. Get them cats going top, but we don't feel shit. We just giving y'all gems y'all can live with. Elevate your mind, never mind all the bullshit. Finna talk about stocks, we ain't worry about ops First get the bread up and buy back the whole block Ten toes down, we ain't never gonna stop I'm a man of my word, I ain't never gonna flop If I said it, then I meant it Real ones gonna respect it, and it's still OG It's in me, I'm represented